God, if you're glad you're here, say amen. amen. I'd rather be here in the best jail in town, amen. <laughs> I probably should be in that jail. Uh, if you'll be looking for Ezekiel chapter 22, uh, I, I was born and raised just across the river over here in Mississippi. I spent most of my childhood walk, looking at the backside of a mule. Uh, I plowed a mule since I was 10 years old. Uh, uh, my sister died and my dad was uh, center and corn. He said, you got to take over, son. You got to do it. So after I did it one time, you know, that was it. After that, it was every, every day, six days a week. My dad was not saved at the time, but uh, uh, he feared the Lord. He wouldn't work on Sunday. Uh, he, did, he said, no, God will kill me if I get out there and work on Sunday. Uh, but he did get saved, and uh, he went to be with the Lord in 1996. And uh, he got to hear me preach just a couple of times. Uh, I was called in 1980 in Hawaii. We had to suffer for Jesus over there for three years. Uh, most of you spent a lot of money to go, and I let the government said, man, <laughs> and uh, pay for it, pay me while I was there. So, uh, But uh, God's been good. We have served for now for 32 years, over 32 years, as missionaries to the American military in Puerto Rico. We started a, a Spanish work there, and uh, another military work on the other end of the island. So on Sunday, John and I were pretty busy. Uh, we'd uh, work about 20 hours on Sunday, time we drove 100 miles and, and all. And then uh, I got smart. And we got wireless headsets and put on the Spanish people and let them sit in a congregation and put the interpreter in the sound booth uh, in, in a, a private area, and he could talk when I was talking. And uh, we saw a lot of Spanish people saved. We had a school of over 150 kids, and, and all Spanish had come in four years old, couldn't speak a word of English. By the time they graduated from K-4, they'd be interpreting for their parents. Uh, uh, God's been good. John and I have had a good ride. And we're still looking forward to what God has for us. I have uh, met some of the best people in all the world. Uh, in the, our American military, those that served, I served alongside of them for many years. They got a different breed today. They got a different uh, way they have to do things. And you need to pray for their military right now. Uh, I was in under President Carter. And uh, I, know, I know what it's like when the military is not thought as much of as they should be. Uh, so you would be praying for them. Pray for us. We'll be traveling this week. Uh, we're going to Indiana. I got to make a trip to see my grandchildren and uh, meet their new pastor up there, help them. Uh, I helped my son-in-law who was on the pulpit committee as they called their new pastor. And 
I'm looking forward to meeting him and possibly preaching up there. My wife told me now, and I've, I've, I've learned to volunteer. Volunteer to do everything she tells me, <laughs> whether I want to or not. And she told me, said, now this is your first sermon. You keep it short and sweet. So I did bring a small outline with me tonight. <laughs> and, uh, if you get tired of listening before I get tired of preaching, you just go ahead and leave. Um, the Lord take care of you driving down the road. <clears throat> Ezekiel chapter 22. You know, when I went in the Marine Corps, I had to meet certain qualifications. Back then in 1964, it, it wasn't, wasn't a whole bunch to it. You know, I mean, if you could uh, count to four, you probably could get in. Uh, today, you know, while I was in, they started, you had to have a high school graduation. And uh, I mean, some of them now even have to have college, you know, and that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I graduated from high school and went right into the Marine Corps. And I was in, in boot camp about, about two or three days, and I wished I'd back milking cows. It didn't take me long to get all I wanted, but I decided to make a career out of it. I spent, I, I, I was a 30-year man, maybe 40 if they'd let me hang around, but God called me to preach March the 19th on a Wednesday night in a service just like this at Coralisle Baptist Church at Kaneohe, Hawaii. And I said, God, I'll do what you want me to do. And you're looking at a, a, an introvert that never gave a book report in high school. My dad would whip me, and I, well, it wasn't a spanking, I'll put it that way, okay? The teacher that sent me to the principal and he'd whip me, but I wasn't going to get up and talk before people. I just wouldn't do it. You could have beat me till I fell on the, I wasn't going to do it. And after God called me to preach, things changed some. And I, 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 I truly, there's, there's nothing I'd rather do than to preach and to pastor. You know, I'm, I'm getting to the time now, seven, almost 76 years old. I, I can't pastor full time, but I sure want to sometimes, you know. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, I looked at the qualifications for serving God. I look around, I see a lot of young faces here. I know you got your career all planned out. I did. I was going to retire after 30 years and go to Mississippi, set up on my property there, and I was going to prop my feet up. I was going to go fishing during the summer and spring, go hunting during the fall. That was my life plan and my life's goal. But God had a different thing, a different goal for me, different way to go. And I, I look here at Ezekiel, and uh, I'm just going to read one verse because of the second time I want to get you out as fast as we can tonight. Ezekiel 22 and verse 30. 
And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. That sounds like America today. Over and over and over in the book of Ezekiel, God says, Son of man, go and tell and he told them right off, said, they're not going to listen to you, but you go and tell. And sometimes I feel that way nowadays that uh, way America is going and the, the ungodliness that's been taking place. I, I get concerned for America. I love it. I'd give my life for it. I, 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 there are three things I'd give my life today for. I'd give my life for my Lord, for my family, and for the America. I'd lay it down for any of them that absolutely needed. And I got to look and what is the qualifications for this person, this man that God's looking for to stand in the gap, to make up the hedge? What is the qualifications? And I, I just wrote down a few. I could have written down many more. Uh, but, you know, you go and apply for a job somewhere, so, uh, you, they're going to ask you, what's your qualifications? I mean, uh, if you're going to get in a, a promoted in the military, what's your qualifications? Why should you get this promotion? It's no difference in God's work. He has qualifications for you and I. And the first one that I come, come across is it must be a person that's been converted. Stands a reason, right? You've got to be saved if you're going to serve. Now, I'm afraid there's a lot of people that are standing tonight and they're trying to serve and they're pretending to serve, but they've never been born again. You know, and if, uh, there, there's, there's this movement. You just joined the church or you... You, you go to your house and you have a little prayer meeting and, and that's church. That's not church. And very few people ever get born again doing that. When I talk about being born again, I'm not talking about getting your name on church roll. I'm not talking about, uh, if you, look, if you had your name on, every, uh, on the rolls of every church in the state of Alabama, and if you'd been baptized forever, by every church in the state of Alabama, you wouldn't have one second in heaven. You must be born again. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You must be converted if you're going to serve God. You must make sure you're saved. You must make sure you know you know that you know him. The second qualifications is it must be a person of some convictions. You see, I don't find many people, they have convictions about things. I think you ought to have convictions about this blessed book. This book is, does not contain the word of God. This book is the word of God. And I'm talking about the King James Bible that's been preserved for you and I and for all English-speaking people in the world. 
This book is the Word of God. You must have some convictions about it, and you must learn it, you must read it, you must heed it, uh, if you're ever going to serve God. You can't serve God without this book. You can't serve God if you're not in this book. If you don't have some convictions about it, the, 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 the Word of God and the work of God, why is it we can have a dinner on the ground, all-day dinner and preaching on the ground on anniversary Sunday? And you know what? We have so when on Saturday morning how many people show up. That's work. That's the work of the local church. That's, that's what God... You see, that's the way we have to do it. And look, you, you're, you're above average. See, we're in a lot of churches, and, and Madison Baptist is way above average. It, it, with everything, music, uh, the corn, uh, everything here. But you've got to have some convictions about the work and the Word of God. A ch- church is not an option. It's not if you feel like it. It's a command from God. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Even the more so if you see the day approaching. It, it is the, the work of God that we build this church. You see, it's the work of God. That, and look at the missions you do. That's the work of God. I volunteered to go in the Marine Corps. I didn't volunteer to go uh, to preach. I ran as long as I could. And then God called up with me and said, okay, buddy, this is it. Do or die. So I decided, okay, Lord, if you'll enable me, I'll do it. And I formed some convictions before I was called to preach. I formed some convictions about the Word of God and about the work of God and the, uh, the family of God long before I was called to preach. You see, if you're going to fill in that gap, God's seeking tonight for someone to stand up and say, I'll take my place. I'll make up the hedge. I'll fill in the gap. Young men, young women, He's waiting. And America needs that. We're becoming a great mission field right here in America. There's not an ethnic group that you can name that there's not multitudes of them in America now. And fewer people are being saved today than I reckon than ever in, the, in my, my lifetime. Used to, a preacher would come in. First, first Bible verse I ever learned was John 3.16. You know why I learned that? To get a pack of double mint chewing gum. Five pieces. That's all it was in a pack then. And I had to learn John 3.16 to get that in a tent meeting. You know what? I had four brothers my three brothers and a sister. Guess what my daddy made me do? 
after I've done all the work. But you see, God's waiting on somebody to step up. Will you be that person? Are you saved? Do you know you're saved? Are you, are, are you absolutely sure about your salvation? Do you have convictions about the Word of God and the work of God? And then the third thing I think is communion with God. When we use the word communion, first thing we think about is what we do when we have the Lord's Supper. We do call that communion. But what I'm talking about, communication. Can I tell you, we need more communion with God. We, I get up every morning at 5 o'clock, if not before the last few mornings. I've been getting up at 3.30 and 4. And the first thing I do after I make my coffee, now I have to make my coffee. But I, while it's making, I read. I read the Word of God. I get my day going. I get my juices flowing because, see, if I don't let him communicate with me, I don't know how to communicate with him. You see, communion is a two-way street. That's the biggest problem in marriages is lack of communication. I have dealt with it in the military which has over a 70% divorce rate first-time marriages. And, and I'll tell you something, 95% of the counseling I did was because of lack of communication. The problem with us serving God is we don't let him communicate to us. We say, well, I come to church Sunday morning, I come to Sunday school, I come on Wednesday night. What else do you expect of me? If that's all you get, you're anemic and you need a transfusion. You see, this book should be a part of your daily life. This is the way God talks to us. In that small, still voice when you're sitting and reading, and God just shows you some nuggets there that you you might have read it a hundred times, but something just speaks to you. And then you can go to him and communicate your needs. Lord, and pray for others. And then for yourself. Pray. You can't properly pray till you've had some time in the word of God. I don't think you can communicate with God if he's not communicated with you. Now, I don't like the silent treatment. I know when I've done something wrong. I've been married 54 years in October. I know. I mean, when I I get that silent treatment, I know something's wrong. And I've got to restore communication or it's going to get worse. You see, how do you think God feels when his children never communicate with him? 
How do you think God feels when, when he's given us 66 precious books of the Bible and he wants to communicate with us? That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. Communication was broken when Adam and Eve sinned. You and I need to communicate with God. You see, that needs to be a practice in our life. Every day. Every day. I was pastoring over in Columbus, Mississippi, started church over there with two people. Uh, my family was still at Tennessee Temple getting ready to move down. My wife was working out of a job and the kids was finishing up a school year there and had a dear man there. I noticed his Bible laying up on the dashboard of his truck all curled up from the sun heat. I said to him, I said, Brother, uh, you know, don't you read this Bible every day and you know the oil from your hands keep the leather nice and smooth and flexible. I said, don't you read your Bible? He said, no, sir, I quit reading my Bible. I mean, that took me back because he was a super nice man. I said, what do you mean, brother? You quit reading your Bible. He said, every time I read it, I find something I'm not doing and I'm too busy to be doing something else. That's the reason he quit reading the Bible. What is your reason for not reading it every day? I'm too busy. Look, if you're too busy to spend time in the Word of God, you need to quit doing something and need to get back. Because see, God can't communicate with you. You surely are not communicating with him. Your prayer life is probably give me, give me, give me, help me, help me, help me. I won't, I won't, I won't. Because God has not dealt with your heart. So I don't know how you're doing on the qualifications. Are you saved? Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Do you have convictions about the word and the work of God? Are you communicating with God on a daily basis and letting him communicate with you? And finally, commitment. Commitment. That's kind of a dirty word nowadays. Nobody wants to be committed to anything. 54 years ago, October the 12th, my wife and I stood in little, little, my aunt's home down in Sandy Hook, Mississippi. Pastor had uh, been on uh, uh, weekend guard and he drove from Jackson over there to that. And he, he, we stood before him. And we gave ourselves to each other. We made a commitment that was for a lifetime. Commitment. What does it mean to you? What are you committed to? 
I am 100% convinced that every one of us do what we want to do. We will make time to do what we want to do. But are we committed to God? Are we committed to the things of God? Commitment to me was when I was on deputation, God gave me a illustration that uh, he brought to mind. And you'll forgive me because it's personal. But as a young Marine in charge of a machine gun team, one day a lieutenant, the lieutenant came out and got us in a school circle and sat us down and began to draw on a chalkboard. And he said, man, we got a hill we got to take tonight. Here's the plan. Do you know what the enemy did that day? Absolutely nothing. You know why? Because we were planning. God doesn't care if you sit on this pew every time the church doors is open. You come in every day just sit here. The devil doesn't care about that. He's not going to bother you just coming in, sitting at church, going to church service. But that night, as we started up that hill, we ran into the outposts of the enemy. And guess what he started doing? He started shooting at us. Imagine that. When you walk out these doors with the gospel message, the devil is going to shoot at you. That's the reason we put on the whole armor of God that we might withstand the fiery darts of the devil. But there was something that happened that night I wish would happen in every church. We had men killed. We had men wounded. But we didn't leave any of them there. We brought them on. We didn't turn around because the devil started shooting at us, the enemy. We went on up that hill. We were willing to lay our lives down to take that piece of real estate. How many Christians today are willing to surrender their life to the point and make a commitment to God that you'll not back up. You'll not quit. You'll go on. Can I tell you? The longer you serve him, the sweeter he grows. The more you know him, the more you know about him, the, the more love he'll show to you. You see, there's qualifications. Just being a church member is not enough. Just coming to church is not enough. We have a responsibility to stand and make up that hedge and 
fill in that gap that the world might hear the precious word of Christ. See, that's missions all over the world. I believe this church probably has the testimony that the sun never sets on its ministry. Because there's always somebody somewhere in the world preaching and teaching the Word of God. We, we send missionaries out. We're having Sunday school about church and missions. But I wonder... What does it really mean to us? What does it mean to me? What what does it mean to go to Puerto Rico, to go to Japan, to go to Africa, to go to Uganda, to go to Germany, to go to Uh, Italy to go to the Philippines daily you know the Bible says if we're praying for missions that's what we do we walk right into that country and we pray for missions commitment you send them out Say, we're, we got your back. We're going to take care of you. We send you a check every month. But how much time are we spending prayer for? It's a commitment. Commitment to everything going on at the church. Get involved. I'm going to tell you one story and I'm quitting. You said, praise the Lord. 1980, I was running from God. Oh, I wasn't out of church. I, I, I hadn't quit anything. 1980, I was the director of the bus ministry. I was a treasurer of the church. I was the head deacon. I was the head usher. I taught the teen Sunday school class, my wife and I. Run a bus route, directed a bus ministry, and I taught this singles Bible study on Friday night. You know what I was doing? I was trying to please the Lord with my work, not my call. He was not happy with that because the wrong attitude and the wrong spirit that I had. It was a drudgery to work to 10, 11, 12 o'clock on Saturday night repairing buses, getting them ready for Sunday morning. Getting a call at 6 o'clock on Sunday morning by Pop, well, my bus won't start. I was ready to quit everything. For a fact, I'd had my secretary at work type up a letter 
to the pastor resigning from everything. And I had it in my coat pocket that night when God said, this is your last chance. Ken Jenkins, missionary to Papua New Guinea, preaching that night, and God broke my heart. I sat at the back door of the church. When the invitation was given, I literally ran and threw myself on the altar. I said, Lord, here am I. I'll do whatever you want me to do. You don't have much to work with, but if you'll work with, help me, I'll do what you want me to do. And that's been 42 years. I've never quit. I wanted to a lot of times, but I made a commitment to God. Have you ever made a commitment? Not just a decision but a commitment that if it costs your life, you're going to do what God told you to do. Think about it. If you're saved, if you have a convictions about the work and the word of God, if you're in communion daily with the Lord and he's communion with you in the word of God, You've not made a commitment, why don't you? If you have, don't give up. Better days are ahead. If you're not saved, don't leave this building not lost. For what is life? It is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. You have no assurance beyond the breath you're taking right now. Eternity awaits for every one of us. It could be our last breath, our last heartbeat. How will you meet Jesus? Father, we love you and thank you for your goodness. And I thank you for this privilege that the pastor gave me to stand here in this sacred desk and to try and to preach the word of God. I, I just thank you so much for what you've done and Father, I pray that you would help us now. If those here are not committed, then commit. If they're here and they're not saved, I pray they get saved. Maybe they're here and not reading their Bible. Maybe they'll start. Father, you have your will and way now.